2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And we're going to read uh, about four or five verses, 14 through 18. 2 Corinthians 14 through 18. And um, thus says the Lord in his word. Uh, let's read that together, just these uh, few four or five verses. Uh, are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? Let's read that together. It began, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says who? Says who? Okay, I didn't want y'all that I said that. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Says the Lord Almighty. Um, look at Look at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And then um, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be, this is God talking, a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I want to talk to you about separation unto God or separation to God. Separation to God. Can you say that with me? Separation to God. Can everybody say that with me? Separation to God. Now, the, the physical church organization should not be in the business of promoting weakness and wrong. Now when I say the physical church organization, we have denominations uh, set up to be organizations uh, to run in this world organizationally, but we uh, uh, have a theology of God and a Christian belief. So I'm talking about Christian churches. Uh, Christian churches should not be in the business of promoting weakness and wrong. So the church, because the church belongs to God. It is Christ's church. Christ is the head of the church. And the Bible teaches us that we are the body of Christ. Are you hearing me? We are the body of Christ. But Christ 
is the head. Are you hearing me? So we are to be led by the head. Are you hearing me? The head should be exposed and should be obvious to everyone that looks upon the church. In other words, if the church is going to be what Christ has birthed it out to be, it should be evident that Christ is here. Are you all hearing me? It should be evident that Christ's presence, the Lord's presence be in the room. Uh, it is a prayer that I pray uh, opening up the service, Lord, let your glory be revealed. That means we know that God is everywhere, but then we look for a manifested presence. We know he's uh, everywhere, that's who he is, but then we want him to not just be here because he's everywhere, but to show up in his presence. Are you hearing me? His manifested presence. So the goal is that the head be exposed. Are you really hearing that? We want God to be in charge and be evident that he is in charge. That being said, the church is not supposed to promote weaknesses and sins. The church was not birthed out to promote weaknesses and sins. We should not advertise evil and sin. Are you really hearing me? We are not to advertise evil and sin. We are not to promote weaknesses and sin. So as a saved individual, your greatest testimony is how and why God saved you. And not what you were in the world. Did you all really hear that? Your, your greatest testimony is how and why God saved you and, and not what you were in the world. Hello, somebody. I, 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 I am not supposed to grin and smirk and say, boy, when I wasn't saved, I could really do it. Uh, that is not bringing glory to the salvation through Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Are you really hearing me? As a saved individual, your focus should never be on your struggles and your weaknesses as the doctrine of salvation. Now, um, I need to explain that. Um, it should never be on your struggles and, and your weaknesses as your doctrine of salvation. Now, what that means is God has a standard, so my doctrine of salvation is not my struggles. My doctrine of my salvation is biblical and God's standard. Are you hearing me? So whatever I am not, it does not diminish what God is. Did you all really hear that? What, whatever I aspire to be in sanctification, sanctification does, should never diminish 
the standard that God is and what God is calling us to be. Are you hearing me? Come on, say, there is a standard. Stay with me. Um, the grace of God is a privilege, not entitlement. Are you hearing me? It's a difference. The grace of God is given to us, um, but it is a privilege to pull from the grace of God. I'm not entitled to it. God does not have to forgive me. His love, and because he loved us, he forgives us. But I'm not entitled to grace. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? It, it's it's kind of like this. Um, I was with my girls yesterday, and um, um, and I was just feeling this way, and I was like, want to take my granddaughter and Sydney and Kristen, and I'll just say everything on me, you know, everything on me. Well, um, you know, uh, you know, Kristen, she's just getting everything, putting everything on that day. And I was getting Kaylee stuff, and I'm buying Kaylee. I'm just having a good time buying my granddaughter something. Sydney being the independent one. I, no matter what I said, you could have anything you want. Her independence told her that I'm not going to spend all my dad's money. So she said that this is all I want right here. And I was like, get that, get that, get that. In other words, I, I know how she is. She, she's just so independent that... I'm out on my own. I pay my own bills. I, in other words, she wasn't just so excited about spending someone else's money. I'm preaching right now. There, there was a hesitancy that she could because I granted it, but her independence told her, don't take advantage. See, see that's how we should approach grace. It, it is not that I'm going to do all this wrong and I'm just going to pull grace off the cabinet because he gonna get, he's a loving God. No, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not just going to just do wrong and grab grace and smear it on me. Do wrong and, no, no, I am trying my best to do right. Did you all really hear me? I'm going to lose some folk today. So, so the grace is privilege. Salvation is deliverance from sin and shame. Salvation is not a partnership with sin and your flesh. It is not a cover-up to hide your true self. Salvation is transformation. Amen. Come on, say salvation is transformation. Transformation into a spiritual life in Christ. Did you all hear that? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In this same mind, I have a new perspective. Well, Romans 6 and 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It says, God forbid. Well, 
Romans 6, 18 through 19. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. I want to do what God wants me to do. Verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Is that the Bible? As slaves of righteousness and of holiness. The word says holiness got cut off from the scripture. But it says holiness. In other words, holiness means being set apart. That's what that word means. When you hear sanctify in the Bible, holy in the Bible, it means set apart for God. In other words, God sanctifies you. He makes you holy. He sets you apart. Are you, are you hearing me? It's kind of like... Kind of like we had, when we, when we were growing up, we had what we called church clothes. You have what we call church clothes. And what that means is you have play clothes and you have church clothes. Church clothes, you didn't run. Because if you, if you got a hole in that suit, it was on. You didn't run. You didn't cert do certain things you didn't do in church clothes. And you had the mentality, I got my church clothes on. All right. Now we just put on clothes. But we used to have something that was set apart only for church. Now that's not Bible, but but the word holy means set apart. So so in other words, when you are saved, you are set apart from the world. Separation from the world involves more than keeping our distance from sinful practices. It means also staying close to God. A lot of times we teach don't do, don't do, but it also means staying close to God because I cannot live holy unless I stay close to God. I cannot stay away from sin unless I stay close to God. There is no in-between. Are you hearing me? So you can only um, live holy when you stay close to God. When God becomes your desire. When God becomes your desire, you, you know you're close to him. When, when you want to please him in all that you do. Hebrews 12 and 14. Are you with me? It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, some of you all take that to say, see, you can't get to heaven unless you're holy. It is not talking about heaven. It's talking about seeing the Lord down here. So it says, uh, follow peace or pursue peace with all people. 
try to get along with everybody. Try your best. You pursue it. It may not happen, but pursue it. Then it says, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It says, um, it's, it's, it says to be holy here is to renounce sin and obey God because sin always blocks our vision from God. Sin in your life can block your vision from God. So when it says, without which no one will see the Lord, uh, when you are in a sinful place, it can hinder your prayer life. When you, when you are in a sinful place, it can keep you from seeing God work in your life. So when it says, without which no man will see the Lord, you won't see God down here. Are you hearing me? Satan would love to have the saints in the church living in sin. He, he, he would love it and, and not obeying God. And, and we must never celebrate sin in the church. Hello? Hello? We must never celebrate sin in the church. Satan would love to have carnal leadership in the church to lead the people away from God's work. Be careful. The Lord is on his way back. Prophecy is being fulfilled. And, and Satan would love to have the wrong kind of leadership in the church to keep his people from getting close to him. You better thank God for anointed leadership. Thank God for praying and fasting and revival. Because the wrong person gets in leadership, it can influence people away from spirituality. Oh, I know I'm telling the truth. This is why prayer and fasting and seeking God and his will is very important. Church decisions should be sought out in prayer. I, I, I just, I don't like politics in the church. It makes my skin crawl, Elder Wilson Boyd. It makes my skin crawl. That's all I'm going to say on that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you're qualified. We, want, we need to pray that God's will be done. Because the wrong kind of leadership can lead you away from God. You want somebody praying for you. You want somebody praying for you who, who you can call and say, uh, uh, Pastor, pray for me. Uh, First Lady, pray for me. Missionary, pray for me. Brother, pray for me. Prayer goes a long way. God will put someone on your mind. You, you, you right then begin to pray for the person. God puts folk on my mind that's not even members here anymore. But you go in prayer for them. You don't get bitter against them. You pray for them. 
and intercede for them. Personal decisions should be sought out from God's word. The devil wants the church to appear sinful. Therefore, there will be no Holy Ghost power operating in the church. That, that's what the Satan would love. He, he ain't going to try to tear it down if he put the wrong kind of leadership and, and not being led by the Holy Ghost, then the power won't be operating in the church. But the power comes in the church when there are saints who commit themselves to obeying God and his word. It's kind of like this. Be careful. Caution. If, if the prostitute is celebrated for getting saved, then the virgin should also be celebrated for staying in the will of God. Did you all hear that? If the prostitute is celebrated for getting saved and God forgave them and they've turned their life around, then the virgin should also be celebrated for staying in the will of God. I mean, both stories have to be told. If the liar is celebrated for getting saved and putting away lies, then the honest person who stays uh, a person of integrity should also be celebrated for staying in the will of the Lord. Because this is not a competition. If one story is told, then the other story should be told. I should not be just looking, I need somebody to relate to. I, I need somebody who know what I've been through. Well, the power of the Holy Ghost can work in your life if a person up there did not go what you did not go what you went through personally, but God saved them from something. Now people want to look for uh, uh, look for wrong to justify not changing. And you have to be careful that a person does not become a standard. That, that, that the person always pushes the other person to Christ. Because if the person becomes the standard, wrong or right, wrong or right, you'll have people doing wrong and right based on the person and think they're justified. How many times have I heard, hey, before you talk about me, go get that other person. They're doing it too. In other words, uh, if I can find somebody in the church that's doing what I'm doing, then I don't have to churn because other church folk doing it. God is the standard. And when you feel justified by looking for wrong, you cease to want to be like Christ. You won't really hear that. And God is calling for a people who want to be like Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So he was saying, I'm a Christ follower, but if you follow me, I'm going to point you to Christ. Are you hearing me? 
This is not a competition. It is a miracle when God saves all of us. But, but don't make me feel bad. Oh, you don't know nothing about the world. Don't make me feel bad because I ain't never drunk. Don't, don't, don't look at me. I got a story too. The same God that saved you from drinking is the same God that kept me from drinking. The same God that saved you from shacking is the same God that saved and kept the virgin. Same God. Not a competition. Let both stories be told. Are you hearing me? You'll have it, people, people don't want to be a virgin because I can't relate. Let both stories be told. The God that kept and the God that rescued. Not a competition. Come on, say, not a competition. Not a competition. Why am I losing you all? Our text here speaks on separation to God. Paul here warned the Corinthian church of the dangers of associating with the unbelieving world. Paul starts off by saying that believers should not be yoked together with unbelievers. So this lesson today is a re-examination of your relationships with the world. It's a re-examination re of your relationships with the world. Because Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, and to really understand what Paul is saying, you got to really understand the Jewish law. Paul is using the word yoked. He gets that from Deuteronomy 22 and 10. Deuteronomy 22 and 10 says what? You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You all didn't even know that was in the Bible. Now what that is saying is these two animals are unequal. These two animals don't, don't have the same strength. So it's not going to work for your destination because they don't pull the same. They don't have the same mentality. And then it says uh, the donkey is not as clean as the ox. Well, the ox is not as clean as the donkey. Uh, one of them is not as clean as the other. So everything about them is not equal. So, so God is saying that if you're going to yoke, yoke is to combine. Yoke is to combine together to work for the same goal. So it's, it's not just talking about I can't say hi to an unsaved person. It's, it's more than that. It can't say I can't have unsaved co-workers. It's more than that. It's literally yoking together. Now your purpose is my purpose. My purpose is your purpose. So he's saying unbelievers and believers cannot be yoked because it's uneven. 
you all understand. The law was given to God's people in Deuteronomy to protect purity of life. Purity of life. Paul uses the same uh, uh, tactic in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. To yoke up means to combine and push together for the same goal or result. So Paul says that you cannot be yoked together because it is not equal. The goals and desires will not be the same between the believer and unbeliever. Now, to further prove this point, Paul asks five very obvious questions. Very obvious questions. He, he asks five very obvious rhetorical questions and all five of the answers, you will answer none or nothing. So he, he says very clearly, he says, what accord, or he says, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? None. What communion has light with darkness? None. D darkness and light don't go together. As soon as you turn the light on, darkness leaves. There is no commingling. Then he says, what accord has Christ with Bilal? Bilal is a personality of Satan. So he's saying, Christ and Satan never have meetings together. And then he says, very obvious question. What part has a believer with an unbeliever, none. And what agreement has the temple of God with? In other words, he's saying none of these, nothing. There, there is no commingling. There is no yoke. There, there is no, there is no comparison. It, it, it don't go together. You know what I'm saying? Peanut butter and jelly goes together. A peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Anybody like peanut butter and ketchup sandwich? It, it don't, don't seem like it go together. Y'all looking at me funny. Some things are just made to go together. Valerie and Brian go together. <laughs> Some things just go together. Are you hearing me? Because the goals and desires will not be the same between the believer and the unbeliever. To, and he asked these questions. And uh, it is about spiritual incompatibility of believers and unbelievers. Come on, say spiritual incompatibility. We, we don't have the same things in common. I, I told this story. I, I started Mary Grove. Back in 1984, uh, I thought I was cool, you know, starting college, and, you know, uh, I wanted to talk to the ladies. Uh, I was talking to this lady, and girl, she was like, uh, so you go to parties? I'm like, no. She said, you drink? I was like, no, I, I was like, I don't drink. drink. She said, you get high. She's just asking me all these questions. She's sizing me up, and uh, asked me all these questions. And she was like, you know what, you, 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 you're kind of nice looking, but you're kind of square. 
She told me that. Not, I thought a square was a 60s word. She told me I was a square. And, and what she's saying is, we don't have nothing in common. But I had enough sense not to just conform to be liked. See, a lot of people aren't, aren't confident in themselves and to fit in. They look to fit in and they do stuff not because they really want to do it. They do stuff for other people. And they find themselves can get hooked on stuff and get habits that they don't even like, but they did it. Sometimes you've got to just say, you know what? We, we just don't get along. We just don't have anything in common. Let me look for somebody who don't mind uh, drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, you're looking at me funny. You'd be surprised what people will do to fit in. Are you hearing me? And this now, this church now is, when you talk like this, uh, don't offend me. You know, uh, 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 don't, don't look. I ain't looking down on nobody. I'm telling you what God requires. If, if we don't push the standard to God, everybody will just be following everybody with faults. Inspiring to be like Christ, we just content being where we are. You should never be content where you are. Well, I call your attention to verse 18. This is why God says what he says. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Are you hearing me? Says the Lord Almighty. Now, God says something profound, and, and we just, it goes right over our head, because sometimes when you, when you think of his standard, you think he's whipping you, you think he's doing something to, to, uh, to get back at you, to, to point out your weakness. He said, no, no, that, that's, that's not the reason. He said, this is the reason. I want to be your father. Well, do you know what a father is? When, when I read that, the Holy Ghost just said, what is a father? Maybe this generation don't understand a relationship with Christ because they have no father in the home. A father is the head of the house. The father is the protector and provider. The father provided discipline in the home. Rules of the house was put in place by the father. Now you know good and well, when you're in daddy's house, no matter what you wanted to do, you had to follow the rules and regulations. If you did wrong, you didn't parade it in their face. You tried your best to hide it, because it was not in line with the house. God said, I want to be your father. I want to be a father to you. In other words, uh, as a child, you obeyed your father or their 
were consequences. You as a child obeyed your father whether you wanted to or not. Am I telling the truth? Your father gave you identity. He taught you the way of life. And then you sought to please your father. Oh, come on, sons and daughters. You know you, you there, there is a part of me right now, right now, that wish I could share my accomplishments with my father. There, there, there is a part of, I, I, I still, I'm still trying to get dad's approval. Y'all looking at me funny. I'm telling the truth. People look, they put things in place of father because that, that, that parental father approval sets my tone, sets me in the right way. So, and God says, I want to be that for you. I want you to want to please me like you want to please your natural father. So, so keeping you separate has nothing to do with keeping you back. Keeping you separate has everything to do of pleasing your father. So he says, I want to be a father to you. And then you shall be my, in other words, you'll be my son. Anything a son and daughter have, you got it. That's a privilege. Come on, say that's a privilege. The father has your back. And the devil, Satan would love, I'm closing, the Satan would love for us to keep our focus off of God. He'll tell you it ain't attainable. You can't because that's flesh talking. I've said this, I've said this many times. You, 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 you have an appetite that you have uh, made up in your own life. No matter where you are, there's things that you have desired, but you built an appetite for it. And God says, I need for you to change your appetite. Your appetite can change. You're looking at me funny. Your appetite can change. I, I told you this story. I'm going to tell it again. I'm getting ready to close um, as we get ready. Um, I, I told you this. Uh, a few years back, I don't know, 10 years, seven, I don't know, I uh, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, you know, about everything, checked me, and he said, he said, you need to drink more water. He said, you really need to drink more water. You're, 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 uh, the reason why doctors say to drink more water is because your organs function better with water. It just, it just, your, your organs function better when you are, when you drink water. And so, so you know, I said we're going to drink more water. But, but watch this. <laughs> Sean, when I went to the refrigerator and I saw ice cold water and I saw that ice cold Pepsi, I saw that, that, that Pepsi with the, with the frost. <laughs> Water lost. I went, to the, I went to the refrigerator and I saw that orange juice all looking all orange and cold. 
water lost. So I said to my wife, I said, you know what, this ain't working. I said, for us to do this correctly, I'm not going to buy nothing but water. I love grape juice. I love orange juice. I love pop. I love everything but water. So I said, I ain't buying no water. And, and I'm telling you, uh, it was hard at first. Water tastes so blind. blind. I'm like, there ain't no taste. Ain't no flavor. You drink a gallon of water and you're still urging for some flavor. But I stuck to it. I'm trying to help somebody. I stuck to it. Uh, and it got to the point that I just knew I was going to drink water. It got to the point that I just forgot about every other taste. Six or seven months later, i never forget this. We were doing good. I went and I bought some grape juice. I said, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. I bought some Welch's grape juice. And this is the honest to God truth. I ain't putting up. I drunk when I sipped that grape juice. It tastes like syrup. I spit it out. To even get it down, I had to put some water in it because I lost my taste for what I used to have a taste for. A Pepsi tastes like syrup. Everything was just sweet. I couldn't stand it because my taste buzz changed. That is how the world is. If you have a diet of the word of God, of the word of God, of teaching and preaching, you will lose your taste for the world. Oh, you're looking at me funny. The reason you can't give something up because you still have that craving and desire for it because you never gave anything up. My fall is not the standard. God is the standard. What pleases the flesh can sometimes cloud your spiritual judgment. Hear that clear? What pleases the flesh can sometimes cloud your spirit. Now let me explain that. There are some people that will say, you know what, until the Lord convict me, I'm not going to put it down. You know what's wrong with that? You are too close to the situation. So in other words, it, it, it will be hard for the Lord to break through that desire because your desire doesn't want to give it up. Sometimes it goes from obedience from the word and then obedience from the word will not make you give an emotional conviction. Oh, you're looking at me funny. People have never gave up something because they're waiting on the Lord to convict me. And sometimes you can be too close. It's just got to be, I'm, going to go, I'm just going to obey the word. Now, I'm not going to get a lot of amens on that. But, but sometimes that emotional conviction, you are too close to a situation that, that I cannot be objective. So you'll never give it up because uh, you want to do it. It is not giving up what you want to give up. It is giving up what you do not want to give up. Conviction may not come because of fleshly desires. 
So, what do I do? You sought to live up to your father's expectations of you. You sought to be influenced by God. So therefore, he says, come out from among them. Because the world only provides substitutes of what God is supposed to be in your life. Everything the world has put in you is a substitute of your worship. We were created to worship God. We were created for God. But substitutes come when we don't yield to God. So living holy or holiness urges you to depend on God like a father. Come on, say depend on God like a father. I was general because when you say specific things, people think you're picking on them. There are so many specific things, but uh, there are areas of your life that need biblical scrutiny. There are areas of your life, as I close, that need biblical scrutiny. Attitude and conduct. Attitude and conduct needs biblical scrutiny. Language, how you talk, needs biblical scrutiny. Amen. Not what you feel, not emotional, uh, um, biblical scrutiny. What comes out of my mouth? Entertainment and music you listen to and the places you go need biblical scrutiny. Hello, somebody. Y'all looking at me funny. I, can't, I shouldn't be looking at everything and listening to everything. Friends you hang out with need biblical scrutiny. They'll, they'll take you down a road that you don't need to be. How you dress needs biblical scrutiny. Your marriage needs biblical scrutiny. Your family needs biblical scrutiny. The Bible defines your sexuality. Never thought I had to say that in this generation, but you have to say it now. The Bible defines your sexuality. You don't define your sexuality. The Bible des def defines your sexuality. Don't make me go further. This agenda to, to let people decide what they want to be and uh, don't offend them by putting them, making them man or female. Let them tell you what they are. That is from the pits of hell. The Bible Defined. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. The Bible defines my sex life. The Bible defines how I raise my children. The Bible defines how I am as an employer, employee. The Bible defines my money. The Bible defines. And because God says, I want to be a father to you. Everybody's standing. I want to be a father to you. I want to be a father to you. That, that's, that's what he is saying. I want to be 
a father to you. In other words, God said, I, I want you to come to me to provide you with everything you need. But then I want you to want to seek to please me. We are not to just celebrate weakness. We are to celebrate God. Are you hearing me? I want you to do a re-examination of your relationship. Maybe there are some things you don't need, places you don't need to go. Maybe there are some friends you have to give up. I don't know. Maybe you were trying to hold on to something that you need to let go. I don't know. The worst thing I can do is just to tell you my weaknesses so you can feel comfortable. We're not supposed to feel comfortable. We are to strive, strive, work, and strive to get better. Not that you have obtained. Paul said, not that I have obtained. Nobody here is perfect. But I press toward the mark. And I don't want to have an organization where I'm coming here because I feel comfortable. I'm coming here because they don't tell me how to live. They don't, in other words, you, you want your worship, but you don't really want God as your Lord. You, you want to you keep God at bay because you still want to keep what you do. That's a form of godliness. But you're denied the power. So we're going to celebrate ones that came to Christ and, and gave up things, celebrate the ones that stay in the will of God. Because see, people think the Lord can't work a miracle unless I've done something wrong. No, we all was wrong. And he's working, you're looking at miracles everywhere you are. But we have to understand that God says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because we won't have anything in common. Bow that head. We're entering into a time now where the devil is trying to capture the church. He is trying his best to take over the church. If he puts carnal leadership in place, then people will not have a standard of God. They will have a standard of people. I am not the message. I'm the messenger. I point you to Christ. We both need Christ in our life. The spotlight is on Jesus. He is our example. And you don't have to feel bad because you don't measure up. We are striving for God's perfection. It may take a lifetime to get there, but don't stop. 
don't stop. Come on, say, don't stop striving. Don't stop striving. How many really want to please the Lord? Lift those hands and say, Lord, I want to please you. Live saved. Give the details to the Lord, but do not listen to unbiblical sources. Do not listen to things that are not from the word of God. Father God, in Jesus' name, you have said in your word, do not be unequally yoked, meaning that we should not combine ourselves with the world. If I said specific sins, I would leave out some. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will convict that we will have a desire to want to do things. Because we are in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And since we are in relationship with him, our ways are to please him. We thank God for what he's going to do. If you are not saved, God is calling you to be saved right now. And you can be saved not stopping doing anything. You can be saved when you have faith in Jesus Christ and who he is and you accept him into your life. And he begins a sanctification work in you. Who wants to be saved? If you are not saved and you want to be saved, raise that hand. Don't leave here. Don't leave here like you got it all. If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Are you comfortable going to hell? Because I just don't believe it. I, I just don't believe, I, you know, some things I believe and some things I don't. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I'm getting ready to, but I, the Lord is on me. To, let me ask you a question. If you got on the plane and the pilot says, you know, there's a 50% chance we might crash. Would you stay on that plane? There's a 50% chance. You know, there's a 25% chance that we might crash. We got one engine working, but the other one's not working. Would you stay on that plane? Because you would not risk your life. Why would you risk your salvation? Because someone's told you there may not be a heaven. I'm doubting, what if there were? Why would you risk eternity? Hell is too long to burn. Somebody put doubts in my head that God is real. You better accept him. Because when you stand before the Lord, ain't nobody going to be with you. If you're not, I've done what God told me to do. Today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't be so stubborn that you won't get saved. 
because I can't help you. It might be too late. God bless you. Clap your hands for the Lord Jesus. Be not unequally yoked. You may be seated. Be not unequally yoked. He's calling you to be different, set apart. Keep that in mind. And God bless you. And God keep you. Here's our prayer. Father, I pray that you will bless your people through your word. And remember these uh, announcements this week.